Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. The things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you, all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Long passage, but I want to preach on this subject today, joy-filled living. Joy-filled living. Amen. Well, how many of you can testify that we know that life is full of ups and downs? Good days, bad days, pleasant surprises, heartbreaking disappointments. But the reality is that many people don't enjoy life. They just kind of endure life. We wrongly think that life has got to be perfect in order for us to be happy. We think that if we could just change our situation, life would somehow become great. Or if I could maybe get rid of this problem or that situation. But we all find out if you stick around long enough that there's no such thing as a problem-free life. If you're going to live with joy, you got to learn to be joyful in the middle of the situation, in the middle of the problems and the very experiences of life. Being happy, and we need to remember this, and having joy are not the same thing. Amen? Happiness comes from the word happenstance from which we get the word circumstance. Or in other words, happiness depends on your happenings or your circumstances. Happiness is external. You get happy when you go to Disney World. You leave, and your happiness from Disney World eventually dwines away. You're happy when you win the card game, but when it's over, that happiness dwindles away. 
You're happy on Sunday when your team wins, and the next Sunday you're not happy when they lose. Welcome to the world of being a Cowboy fan or a Redskin fan for that matter or a Giants fan. That's right. Basically, an NFC East fan, you're just in trouble. But that kind of happiness is only temporary. See, but joy is different. Joy is constant. Joy is not based on my happenings. Joy is something that's far deeper than that. It's, it's something that is in me, not just on me. Joy is something that I can have even when my happenings ain't happening. Amen? See, how do you, how do you learn to have joy-filled living in spite of what's going on in your life? How can you learn to have joy in your heart even when things around you are screaming otherwise? We can learn some things from the Apostle Paul in this passage that I just read. The background of the story today is from Philippians 1, and that for the last four years, Paul had been in some pretty rough circumstances. I want you to think about his bio. He'd spent two years in prison in Caesarea for a trumped-up charge. Then he's put on a ship to go to Rome to appear before Nero, who is not known for his kindness toward Christians. On the way there, he's shipwrecked. Then he's stranded on an island. He's bitten by a poisonous snake. He's got to wait the entire winter there. And then he continues on to Rome, and he spends another two years in prison awaiting trial to be executed. Turn to your neighbor saying, you thought you had a bad thing going on. See, now, during this two-year period in Rome, he was chained to a guard for 24 hours a day. He had no privacy. Every four hours, he would get a new guard. Yet in spite of all these situations, Paul said in the Philippians 1.18, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Almost five years of gloom and doom and his response, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. So what was Paul's secret? How does he stay positive in, in prison and triumphing over his troubles and delighting in the midst of difficulties? How does he stay so happy and positive and joyful? in spite of the fact that not everything and probably not much of anything had turned out quite how he had planned it. See, Paul understood some keys to joy-filled living. And there's four things, real quick, before I let you go out and enjoy this beautiful snowy day. There's four things in this story from the life of Paul that I want to pull out of this passage on how to live a joy-filled life. So let's see what we can learn from Paul. First of all, to live a joy-filled life, you get you got to get a new perspective on life. You got to get a new perspective. Every one of us has problems and issues. Some of you are sitting next to your problem and issue. Don't look at them. I'm, I'm kidding. See, there's no super saints in this room today. There's none. But I will say this. Let me just throw this out. You are a little bit better than the average Christian because you came out on a snowy day. So give yourself a, a big clap of, of appreciation. Amen. You just showed you're a little bit better than the average guy out there. But your problems are not as important as how you are looking at those problems. Perspective is everything. The way you look at that problem, hear me, is much more important than the problem itself. And the way you look at things has to do with your perspective. <coughs> your perspective makes the difference. You don't need a new life. You just need a new perspective on the life that you already have. Amen? 
I want you to notice verse 12 from Philippians 1 and 12. It says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me, now notice this next part, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. That's a perspective issue. Every one of us could start a sentence with, the things that have happened to me have. Your perspective determines how you finish that sentence. The things that have happened to me have caused me to go down a trail of depression. The things that have happened to me have caused me to go bankrupt. The things that have happened to me have caused me to become bitter and angry and, and, and all twisted up on the inside. The things that have happened to me have, have done what? Have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, Paul said. Look at this verse from the message, same verse. He says, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. I love this. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. Now, I'm just going to stop right here and say this. There are some Christians that would like to tell you that if everything is not going great in your life, you must be doing something wrong. That's a bunch of nonsense. Can the church say amen? Come on, because I'm going to tell you right now, if Paul wasn't doing good enough to keep himself out of trouble, you're not doing good enough to keep yourself out of trouble. Paul said the stuff that is happening to me right now is actually having the opposite effect of what it thought it was going to do. Paul said, I'm going to have the right perspective on this. I can see the best even in the middle of the worst. I can see God at work in the middle of my problems even when my problems don't go away. All this bad stuff has produced great results. See, Paul had always wanted to go to Rome, but not this way. He meant to have a crusade, but instead God put him in prison where he would write the New Testament. By the way, check this out too. This is kind of interesting. Paul was changed to a guard. And not just any guard. These were the palace guards. These were the elite troops of the Roman Empire. These guards were personally chosen by Caesar. These were the highest paid people in the Roman Empire. These guards. When they retired, they retired after only serving for 12 years. And then they would become the leaders of Rome. Now I want you to think about it. There's not a more strategic group of people that Paul could have been chained to to help reach the Roman Empire and change that entire empire for Jesus Christ. God put Paul in Rome. Nero pays the bills and chains a different future leader of Rome to Paul every four hours for four years. I'm going to change somebody that's going to be in leadership to you, Paul, Every four hours for four years, you're going to have a chance. These guards had an inside route to the emperor, and as a result, even some of Nero's family became believers. History tells us that Nero had his wife, mother, and children killed because they became Christians. Have you ever wondered how that happened? Could it be? Maybe it was the chain reaction. Maybe it was Paul's chain reaction, the people that were chained to him that Paul had a captive audience. Look what Paul said about his chains in verse 14. I love it. He said, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul said, because of what I'm going through, other people have gotten inspired and empowered and strengthened 
to do what they've been called to do. Paul said, my attitude toward my problems and the results of what I thought were just bad circumstances have encouraged other people. And courage is contagious, folks. It spreads like wildfire. Other believers became bold because of Paul being bold. The perspective that you and I need to live from is if you're going to have joy in your life is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. That verse right there ought to give somebody some encouragement right now. God has a purpose behind every one of my problems and every one of my blessings. And when you get this perspective, you are well on your way to joy-filled living because it no longer depends on your happenings. See, folks, we've got to quit looking at every problem as God reigning on your parade. Maybe your problem is part of your parade. Maybe your problem is part of somebody else's parade. Who knows what God is doing? Stop thinking that every bad day means that God has forsaken you. Change your perspective and watch what God can do. Paul could have whined, but you know what? Instead, he shined. Paul says that God had a purpose behind all of my problems, therefore I've got a new perspective that I'm going to live from. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, you just need to get a new perspective. Another key to joy-filled living is you need to live by priorities. Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. See, when things get tough in life and when I feel my joy slipping away, I need to know what's really important in order to distinguish the trivial from the significant. See, if you want to be able to separate the wheat from the tra- chaff, you've got to know that you're living by priorities. You need an anchor point that you can hold on to. Those things are your priorities. You've got to focus on what really matters and live by priorities. I can be living my life either based on problems or based on priorities. You can be proactive or you can be reactionary. Either you'll decide what's important in your life or, hear me, your circumstances of life will decide what's important for you. Don't miss this. You will either take charge of your life or you will just react to whatever happens in your life. It's a matter of priorities. If you don't choose your priorities, somebody else will choose them for you. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody right now, amen? you got to take control of your life, and you do that by putting the right priorities in place. You will go around putting out one fire after another, living your life simply from problem to problem to problem, and not choosing what's important if you don't set some priorities up first. In verses 15 through 17, Paul was saying, not only am I in prison, but if you want to kick me while I'm down, there's guys out there that are attacking my ministry. Paul said, some of them are trying to get in the spotlight, and they're criticizing me while I'm here in prison. And, folks, if you want something to steal your joy quicker than anything else, just let people begin to criticize you, especially when you're down. And you know what? You might as well get used to it because if you're doing anything for God, there's always going to be some haters out there. There's going to be jealous folks. There's going to be envious folks. There's going to be people that they let their opportunity pass by, and now they don't want you to have your opportunity. You know what? Forget those people. Amen? Focus on your priorities. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, this is what Paul said. He said, what does it matter? 
The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. What does it matter? See, that's seeing the big picture. What is the priority? Paul said he wasn't going to let anybody else steal his joy. He wasn't going to let circumstances or critics rob him. He said, you know what, their motives might be wrong, their style might be wrong, but if the message is getting out, who cares? What does it matter? Paul said he had to set his priorities, his values, and would not let the little things steal his joy. Let me just ask you something, and don't, you don't have to respond. How many arguments in your marriage are over little things that really don't matter? It's all my priorities. Is it really worth losing your joy over? No. Get a new perspective, live by priorities. How many friendships have been destroyed over silly things that are not priorities? How many churches have lost good people over issues that are not priorities? How many families have members that don't talk to one another over issues that are not priorities? See, some of you right now, you're living less than joyful lives because issues that are not priorities are affecting you emotionally. Some of you are not spiritually happy because you're focusing on things that are not important and it causes you to judge yourself or other people. You need to refocus your priorities. I know know people that will leave a church over the 5% that they don't like instead of focusing on the 95% that they do like. I know people that have backslid over one sermon that they didn't like when they heard hundreds of sermons that blessed their soul. I know marriages that have ended over 10% of a struggle when 90% of their relationship is solid. See, children and parents war with each other over things that don't matter. we got to focus on priorities. Pick the mountains you're going to die on. Amen? See, living by priorities narrows your focus. It helps you enjoy joy-filled living. Because I'm not worried about all these non-priority situations. Can I just say, I'm not worried about all these non-priority people. I'm not worried about all these non-priority problems, amen, because they're always going to be there. They're always going to be nipping at your heels. Don't let them do it. Proverbs 3 and 6, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Amen? Focus on Him. What really counts? Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Live by your priorities and you will enjoy joy-filled living. You need to get a new perspective on life. You need to live by your, your priorities. And number three, you need to find your purpose and pursue it. We're going to be talking about this some in 2019, but I want you to look at Paul. He is old. He is tired. He's been locked up in prison for four years. He is ready to go to heaven. They've taken everything from him. Friends, ministry, freedom, privacy. They've taken everything from him except the one thing they cannot take from him, his purpose. Hallelujah. Verse 21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, if I live, it's Christ. If I die, it's gain. You can't take my priorities and my purpose away from me. See, Paul's not suicidal, but he's also not afraid of death. He's not afraid of dying. Death for him is just on to better things, out of prison. He said, but while I'm here, I have a purpose for living. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things, again, work together for good to those who love God. See, too many people don't have joy because they don't know what their purpose is in life. 
How would you fill in the blank? For me to live is blank. For me to live is blank. See, the ads on television tell us what the values are in our society. I'd say most Americans would fill in the blanks one of these ways. For me to live is possessions. Get all you can. Do all you can. Stockpile all you can. Get, get, get. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't know. Amen. You know, that, that's crazy living. I've got to work to keep up with the Joneses, and just about the time I catch up with the Joneses, they refinance. See, if all you're living for is possessions, you're going to be disappointed in the end. Other people will say, well, for me to live is pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Anything to make me feel good or enjoy myself, I enjoy that. Anything to relieve my boredom for one little moment in life, but then Monday morning it's back to work. It's because pleasure does not last. Possessions do not last. Purpose is what lives on forever. Amen. We live in a day and age where some people are living for power or popularity. People are dressing for success and driving to impress and paying for the power lunch with their power credit card. Image is everything. People will do anything that, can, that they can in order to fit into a certain peer group or even if it means lowering their standards or their goals in life. You can be the most popular person on your campus and you go back two years later nobody even knows who you are. I mean, that's just a reality check. One minute you're the hero at work, next minute you're the zero at work. Welcome to life, amen. That's why popularity is fleeting, but your purpose is what lives on forever. Forever. See, the problem with possessions and pleasure and power and popularity is none of those things last. They're all temporary. They're not eternal. There isn't ultimate fulfillment in any of those things. If it were true, then people who had the most pleasure would be the happiest. But we all know that's not true. People with the most power would be the most joyful. We know that's not true. Paul had a long-term goal. He looked at things in light of eternity. Look at Philippians 3, 13 through 14. He said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The best use of your life is to invest it in something that will outlast you. Amen. See, the fact is that there is more to life than money and fame and nice stuff and things that are only here and now. Only a fool would go all through life unprepared for something that he knows is eventually going to happen at death, eternity. See, have you ever wondered why God, hear me, we're talking about purpose here. Have you ever wondered why God leaves you on earth after you become a Christian? I want you to think about this for a minute. I know this might sound elementary, but I want you to, why didn't he just zap us on right straight up into heaven? Why didn't he just send down the great chariot and grab us up and take us before we can mess everything up? Why does God allow us to be saved and then stay here? Because if the objective is for me to get saved, once you become a child of God, why does he leave us here? I'll tell you why. Because you have an eternal purpose. You have an eternal purpose. God has a plan. He leaves us here for the benefit of other people. Amen. 
to tell those that don't know the Lord the good news about Jesus Christ and to encourage those who do know him. He leaves us here because we are his hands and we are his feet. That's our purpose. See, the secret of joy is simple. Jesus first, others second, yourself third. If you didn't catch that, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, why you? Joy. Put him first. Put others second. Put yourself third. That's how you live a joy-filled life. I'm convinced that the reason there is so much unhappiness in our culture and so many discouraged and depressed people is because our society is totally preoccupied with self. Oh, I could preach a whole series on self, the selfie culture that we live in, the look-at-me culture that we live in. What's best for me? What will make me happy? What's the best thing for me? The me generation. And by the way, that's not an age group. That's the day we live in, from old all the way to young. When you learn to have a greater purpose in your life, though, than just yourself, you will have more than you, more joy than you can handle. See, if you want joy-filled living, you got to get a new perspective. You got to live by your priorities. You got to find out what your purpose is and pursue it. And then finally, to live a joy-filled life. And I want the musicians to come on up. I'm going to cut myself short a little bit today. Musicians and prayer team, come on up. You've got to have power to live by. Why don't everybody stand with me right now? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now I'm going to read that verse again and I'm hoping more than just Kevin Coley will be happy about it. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Some people don't have any joy because they don't have any power. Or some people don't have any joy because they're not tapped in to their power. Yep. Isaiah, 20, Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 says, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. See folks, hear me. You can try to live for God on your own and you might make it for a while. You can try to be an overcomer just as a believer, and you might do all right for a while. But hear me. If you want real joy-filled living in your life and power to overcome, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power, the Scripture says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, I need strength to make it, to keep on going. I need it every single day day. The Bible also says that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, the Bible says. See, hear me, just believing does not mean you're automatically filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You still need to receive it after you believe. See, life can wear you out. Life can drain you completely. One crisis after another, you need an empowerment from God empowerment. See, some of you might even feel ready today to throw in the towel. You need to receive the gift. You need to receive the empowerment. You want joy in your life? Ask God to fill you full of the Holy Spirit. And if you already have it, you might just see, God, I need you to stir up the gift that's in me. 
Paul says, I have two things that give me strength and keep me going in spite of all these four years of imprisonment. One is the prayers of other people. And two, he said, was the help of God's Spirit. And today, if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God wants to give it to you. Today, if you don't know what your purpose is, God wants to speak it into your life. Today, if your priorities are all out of whack, you can just begin by saying, God, I just need you to redirect me and order my steps. Think about that verse, order my steps. That's a request for prioritization in your life. God, order me. Show me what you want me to do. Show me how you want me to live. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let the Spirit direct you. So you can't help but focus on the flesh when you're only operating from the basis of the flesh. There's a lot of believers who fall into the same traps over and over and over again. You need to become a Spirit-filled and Spirit-empowered believer. Look at Romans again, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Notice it says you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. I know you love Jesus, but invite his Spirit to dwell in you. Do you really have that power to live by? I'm going to open up this altar right now. Some of you might feel a little beat down today. I'm so glad you came to church because God wants to lift you up. Some of you, you just need to say, God, I've got joy. It's in me. Your spirit is in me. But God, I just need to tap into that eternal source, that river that's within me. So I'm going to open up this altar right now, and I'm going to invite you to come. We're not going to linger long, but I just invite you to step out from where you are and say, God, I want you to give me joy, joy down deep in my soul. God, I want you to help me, God, to live by, by the right priorities. I want you, if you're, if you're a believer and you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God can fill you with that baptism today. It will totally change your life. But I want you to step out from where you are and let's come. Let's begin to pray. joy. I want to live with joy. I want to live with joy. I want to live with joy. I'll never need another. Let it be. Let it be. 
attention to the screen if they can get it up on the screen. If not, we have a young man getting ready to be baptized. Caden Lewis, on the profession of your faith, obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Should I ever be abandoned? Should I ever be a clay? Should I ever be surrounded by the fire and the flame? There's a name I will remember. 
Father, we love you. Lord, we are exceedingly grateful today for your presence, God, for your anointing in this house today. Thank you, God, for the joy that you've given us. It's not temporary. It's not fleeting. But, God, your joy is down deep in our soul, God. We're grateful for your blessings. I thank you, God, for all of your favor. I pray right now, Lord, give the people of God safe travels as they return home today. Thank you for your blessings. and all of your goodness, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for coming today. No donuts today. We'll have them next week. But then also, men, if you could help us, we need to clear these middle two sections of chairs out for our dream team party. If you could work with our guest services team and get these chairs cleared out in the middle section, thank you.